0: Welcome everyone to episode two of the Shaping Digital Futures
1: podcast. Today I'm talking to Dr. Amber McLeod from Monash University. Good morning,
0: Amber. Good
1: morning, Jo. How's it going? It's going well, thanks. you want to talk a little bit about your role at Monash and what you do? Yep, so I teach um, most of the undergraduate digital technology units. So they're, they're not for people who are going to become technology teachers, they're just for general teachers, primary and secondary, who need to use digital technologies in their teaching.
0: Right, so you're framing technology for these people that will become teachers as something that every teacher needs to know, is that right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it's not only the, um, the ICT capability or, or the digital um, literacy, it's more that the subjects also look at the technology's curriculum, because particularly in primary school, it's often integrated into their other teaching. So they need to have an understanding of it. And it's in year seven and eight and optional in year nine and 10. So depending on how the school has decided to incorporate that new subject, any teacher could possibly be teaching it. So they need to have an idea of what's in the curriculum.
0: Yeah, right. So that idea of a generalist teacher in primary school just keeps growing, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it sure does. And it's really important that teachers are confident about using technology. So giving them an opportunity to play with a variety of things in their initial teacher education is a way to build up their confidence, their exposure to different types of technology. Because, of course, by the time they get out into schools, there's new technology. So... (laughs) We can't teach them how to use everything so giving them exposure to lots of different types of technology means when they approach a new one they might say oh i don't know how to use this but that bit looks familiar and i've seen something similar to that before so building up their confidence
0: yeah and their repertoire yeah that's right yeah very cool so tell us about these types of experiences you provide so you teach a course, um a 12-week semester you teach kind of first year second year third year fourth year and into the Masters um, as well?
1: Yeah, not into the Masters, but across mm. first, second, third and fourth year. So depending on what their specialisation is, they happen to have this unit in first, second, third or fourth year. Mm. Uh, and what we do is, as well as um, trying to develop their pedagogical and content knowledge around what ha- what's happening with digital technologies, um, we spend a lot of time in our tutorials building up their technical knowledge just by playing so there's an awful lot of playing Uh, and we do i I do make it a point to get them to create their own activities using technology which is overcoming that barrier that oh you have to tell me exactly how to use this technology and exactly what lesson plan i should be using so we get them to you know whatever technology we're using that week maybe it's a B bot or something. We say, here's a B bot. We want you to create a class for a grade, a lesson for a grade six class on um, maths, go. And they just have to come up with it and use the, use what they've learned that week in terms of the contextual knowledge, pedagogy content, and so on to justify the activity. The activity might, I mean, the, the, there might be a real culture clash between the subject yeah. of teaching and the technology, but it's just that, um, you know, getting practice, playing with technologies and thinking about how they could be used in the classroom.
0: Yeah, that's right. And across all different learning areas too, I suppose. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if you come, if you want to be an art specialist teacher in primary, there's still a place for your for you to have an understanding of where technology fits. Uh, Yes, absolutely. Those those kind of things. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned um, B-Bots. Tell us what they are.
1: So B-Bots are very simple robots um, which are self-contained. So you don't need uh, an iPad or anything else to to program them. And they just have little buttons on the top of them um, which say forward, back, Turn left, turn right, and go. That's pretty much it. <laughs> and so uh, they're really good for teaching, um, especially young kids, that idea that robots are stupid. And I think that's something that you learn <laughs> pretty quickly <laughs> when you're doing robotics. Is that they, you know, computers can't think for themselves. You have to tell them every little thing. So you really do have to say forward, 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 turn. <laughs> yeah. They can't. You can't just say to them, go forward this far, and then so and then that. It's a really good first step because it teaches students about that. And then from there, you can springboard into functions, you know, repetition and that kind of thing. So they're very yeah. a very useful first step.
0: Yeah. And so what kind of age group would you start with those robotic ideas?
1: Well, I think um, certainly you could use them. I, I have used them with my relatives who are preschool age because they're so okay. simple. However, when I use them in our classes at university, <laughs> the students yeah. are still really into it. So okay. it completely depends, I think, on. Um, the level of understand, a uh, level of experience that the students have had with the technology, because after you, you know, after you've used it for a while, it does get a bit boring, and you realise there are other things you could be doing. But if you don't have a lot of experience with technology, then certainly adults can use it. It really depends on the task, which I think is always huge with technology, and that it doesn't really matter what the technology is; it's what you do with it. So, you yeah,
0: know, we, didn't, we, have,
1: we haven't gotten bored of using. Depends yet
0: yeah, exactly. so it just depends
1: on what the activity is so if you can make yeah. the activity exciting then anyway. yeah, that's a really good
0: point yeah we haven't found any children that are fed up with crayons yet have we no <laughs> yeah so tell me about what kind of thinking would like a five and six year old get out of using something like a bee bot to make it follow like a maze on the floor or something like that
1: yeah so i guess what we're trying to get them to do is think ahead which is always a tricky thing and with young kids they they do find it hard to put in all those steps how many times have i clicked this how many t- how many times forward ah. does it have to go so it is there are lots of strategies we can use for that um which helps to sh- helps the students see their own thinking and helps us to see their thinking as well so for example i'm sure i'm pretty sure you can buy um arrow packs, little cards okay. with arrows on them. So the students can lay out the arrows first to say, this is what I'm going to do. They can double check it, you know, I turn left, I go straight, before they program it in. And then it helps them to remember what they were going to do when they actually program it into the b because they're just following what yeah. they've already set out.
0: Yeah. Okay. So that's like um, leading them to those mathematical ideas of algorithms, isn't it? Yeah. Those step
1: yeah, by yeah. Step. Yeah.
0: Definitely, yes. Cool yeah so um what what do you do with taking on this idea of robotics and things how do you how do you see them being used in the older years of schooling like what are the potential for robotics what do you see them being used for in like across the curriculum with older students
1: well yeah I think one of the really valuable things about um, robotics is that it gives it gives you a bit of power because you start to realize this isn't as complicated as I thought it was going to be. And I can understand how to do this tiny little bit here. And, and I have some insight now into, you know, how machines work or how robots or even, you know, just electronics. Once you, uh, there's a lot of um, educational technology out there that allows you to do quite a lot. And so you begin to think, I could be the person who creates the solution right. to this or finds the answer to this. So I think that, you know, get, getting with the older students, giving them this idea that they could use technology to solve problems, like they really could—not <laughs> they could yeah. imagine it, but they actually can—is um, wow. really empowering. So I think, um, like one of my favourite robots, I think is—it's a very simple one—is the—is the the Lego WeDo, which is a primary mm. school robot. But compared to a lot of the other robots, you can build your robot out of Lego. So it does all the same kind of things that the other robots do, but you get to build it and you get to add particular sensors. So while those sensors might be built into other robots, with the Lego ones, you can decide, I want to have a light sensor and I want to have a proximity sensor and I want to have all these things in there. Mm. So you can tailor it to your specific problem. And I've certainly seen high school students using various versions of Lego robots to solve real problems that are happening um, or at least, you know, come up with a prototype. So mm. it's, it, I think that's the, the best thing about it. It's not so much that you're learning about how robots work but it's that power that it gives you that I could actually build something myself
0: <laughs> yeah and from scratch right so you can yeah. in yeah so in schools for a long time and you and I both come from teaching backgrounds in schools for a long time we've asked kids to imagine and to create but we've always really kind of stopped at that build stage we've never been able to get past that so this potentially with these robots and I love the the we do Lego robots too Um, because I had you know when the Star Wars movies comes out we had kids making you know the BB-8 robots and we've had (laughs) Falcon robots and we've had Star Wars other Star Wars and Star Trek robots and you know um, how do you how do you get dogs trapped down a well Robots, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and it's just, and it's actually allowing them to see their designs through. So you can actually do that design thinking process. Mm, And you you look, and you look at design thinking in your teaching as well, don't you? Yeah,
1: it's really central to um, designing. in In our unit, it's really central to the whole unit. the The entire thing is kind of based around it. So in their weekly activities, yes, there's the design thinking. First of all. What is the issue? What is it that I want to tackle? What opportunities are available? And then moving on to understanding more about that. Mm -hmm. So, what, you know, getting all the details about it, brainstorming ideas, what could we do? Um, Thinking about in our units all the theory that we've learnt and how that could be applied and what we should be focusing on. And then, you know, coming up with an idea, prototyping it, testing it, evaluating Mm -hmm. it, and then going back to the beginning and starting all over again, um, is is fantastic. And, and you see that with all year levels. It's that, that idea of design thinking and computational thinking and systems thinking and all those things. They're just really good ways to make someone's thinking visible so that you can discuss it. Mm. Because when the students write down their, um, I get them to fill in a form to do their computational thinking, they might have been thinking all those things anyway, but I don't know that. <laughs> the other people exactly. in the group don't know that. So unless it's written down, how how can you discuss it and say, "Oh, that's an interesting point. I might have done it this other way, or I really like the way you've done, you've thought about it that way." So that whole design thinking thing is really crucial.
0: Yeah, that's right. And I think what robots do too is is it gives um, a place for learners in kind of any age to get real feedback to have a proper evaluation phase in your design cycle because really in in education what we do with evaluation is we say look at your design and see if you think it will work well if you didn't think it would work you wouldn't have designed it that way so (laughs) it's very much (laughs) hypothetical Um, whereas robots can give us a place to uh, a space to actually explore whether things work in the real world yes yes and concrete examples And I think
1: that that process where you say, I'm going to create something, test it, and then it's built into it is this idea that you evaluate it and you go back and change whatever didn't work, is really encouraging students to take risks. Because if you're saying to them, you're definitely going to have to redo this, (laughs) have a go, yeah. have a play, evaluate it, go back. then it doesn't matter if you make mistakes or if it, if the robot doesn't do whatever it was supposed to do because that was expected. That's part of the process. And, of course, in in IT, it really is part of the process. So giving them permission to continually fail because it's part of the process is a really important part of IT, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, our podcast is called Shaping Digital Futures. And so do you see using robots and robotics and those types of thinking that robotics um, give us, um, do you see that as continuing in education in the next 10, 20 years?
1: Yes, I definitely do. I think, I imagine (laughs) that there's going to be a (laughs) lot more cross-curricular use of technology and and robots to solve problems, which is much more like the real world, of course, because you don't... (laughs) You don't compartmentalise when you get out into the real world. Uh, So I think more of that technology really allows the integration of different subjects because you have a problem to solve, you decide you're going to use this robot to build it, but you need a variety of uh, information from different subjects in order to make that solution happen. So you're constantly having to draw on knowledge from different places, um, which is you know, fantastic for students to see these are how all these things can actually be used in the real world. We you know, we're always hearing people, uh, students saying, when am I ever going to use this in the real world? (laughs) This is this is where you can say to them, this is where you're going to use it. So I I do see it becoming more integrated because of technology, all the subjects coming together, because to solve problems you really do need skills from all subjects. And then when they leave school they've had lots of practice and it doesn't seem weird to say okay here's a problem let's uh let's put our design thinking hats on and tackle this and and feel like they actually can solve the problem because hopefully at school they've had success in really solving problems really building the robots they wanted to
0: yeah and also failing at problems right yeah (laughs) the traditional method of of teaching to get things right the first go this is about iterative trials and attempts and reattempt and just improve as you go yeah
1: absolutely and i think in schools um the teacher plays a really important role there in modeling that failing you 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 don't have to be, well, you're never going to be the expert at all technology and, you know, there's a really good chance that there are kids in the class who are going to know more about it than you do. So if you can sort of model that by not being defensive about it and saying, oh, I don't know how this works, let's let's figure it out together, then it gives students permission to say, oh, I don't know either, let's work it out. Or, you know, if, if you get things wrong in class um, and whatever it is isn't working, you can open up that conversation about, oh, okay, everyone, this isn't working. What have I done wrong? Let's let's brainstorm it together. Let's troubleshoot and work out what it is. So that sets up that expectation that it's normal and yeah. sensible to crowdsource yeah. and say, I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. I've done it wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. And, yeah, and it didn't work. I failed. What, what yeah. can I do to fix this?
0: And trying things with robots is, is quite a low risk. Um, space as well it's a quick feedback loop so you find out quickly if it doesn't work and you can retry tweak something try again so it's not like you spend six weeks on a project click a button it doesn't work and you get you think there's six weeks gone it's it's a a lower risk (laughs) space to try these things yeah Yeah, it really
1: encourages um a lot of those transferable skills i think persistence yeah (laughs) Persistence is a big one because and, and, you know, often when it's a a project that the students have said, this is the type of robot we make, we want to make because we've researched it and we've worked on that, then they're really invested in it. So they're happy to spend a lot of time working on it and persist until they get to the end because it's, it's a bit more personal and real.
0: Yeah, that's right. And not just useful for, for students in schools, obviously. Those are all important adult skills these days, too. Yes. As you and I begin the fifth lockdown in Melbourne, <laughs> Australia <laughs> in 2021. Yeah. So yeah. I think you made some really interesting points, Amber, and I think particularly your comments about the kind of interdisciplinary nature um, of robotics. When I think of things, um, again, coming back to our context in Australia, of the bushfires we had two years ago and how it wasn't safe for um, helicopters to monitor. They used drones to track the bushfires. And the the number of experts involved in that from first aid medical experts, to geographers, to geologists, to fire experts and um, pilots, drone pilots, as well as normal pilots, atmosphere, oceanographers, meteorologists, the interdisciplinary nature of that Really, it's getting to the point where STEM and STEAM aren't even been enough. I mean, where does geography come in? Where does literacy come into STEAM? Like, does it need, do we need a bigger acronym or do we just need to say learning at this point? Yeah, (laughs) I
1: think that's one of the issues actually with technology is that people imagine if you are studying technology, it's because you're going to work in the technology industry, this magical technology. But actually, it's every single industry. It's really hard to find any industry that doesn't use technology. I was just watching something the other day on... um, landline which was talking yeah. about this guy who's making a robot that drives along and uses rec uh, like a, has a camera in there and you can recognize weeds and then sprays like hot water more than water onto the weeds to wow. kill them <laughs> and then and just goes up wow. and down fields recognizing and you think well that's you know biology agriculture horticulture all that kind of stuff There's there is actually so much Uh, so many different applications for robotics in there, you know, even with milking cows and there's just, there's so much happening. So that idea that it can be applied in a whole range of industries and a whole range of subjects is so true. And even things like, you know, creating the, the user interface, which is part of the curriculum is looking at, you know, a real person is going to use this technology. (laughs) So how can we make it easy for them to understand? Well, you have to say, you have to have some understanding of how people communicate and what's the best way to lay out your your user interface and so on. So literacy comes into it there, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, that's right. And accessibility and equity Mm. and all of those factors too. Yes. Well, look, I think we've started, I think we've covered the gamut. We started with B-Bots and (laughs) we've ended with, um, self-weeding robots in the field (laughs) (laughs) so I think that's a really good place for us to stop so thank you so much for your time Dr Amber McLeod from Monash University in Australia
1: thank you very much for having me Jo
0: thank you goodbye everyone and see you at the next episode